Hey everybody, this is Reagan Lopez and you're listening to Unidentify. Today I'm talking to actor, producer, teaching artist, and space maker Maribel Martinez. Hi. Um yeah, so I'm Maribel. Um I identify as a black or Afro Latina. Um I come from a background of Dominican, Puerto Rican, Taino, um, Haitian, I'm sure. <laughs> um, recently took a 23andMe test and it said I also have Portuguese and Spanish and um, Benin. Were you surprised at any of the percentages? Like there's gonna be more or less? Yeah, I mean, I guess because I present so much more um, Afro-descendant, um, I thought, like, I, I guess I was kind of hoping in <laughs> my heart was like, can't wait to see, like, all the African countries that I'm from. And it was like, a lot of Portuguese, a lot of um, Spanish from Spain. And like... Yeah, I guess that was a little, that was surprising. And probably like, I, I'm still kind of battling, I think, with the thought. Because like, as like, especially people of the Caribbean, right? Like, and, and in some, in different ways, um, American, Black Americans, um, but Afro-Caribbean uh, people were like both the colonizer and the colonized in one. And so like, I'm really ba ba battling that idea of being both things. Um, because I, uh, one of the things that like we've talked about previously, um, I didn't really understand my blackness um, until grad school. Uh, so I was like an adult <laughs> um, growing up, like as a Dominican specifically, um, like my family, my mother is always like, because of obviously years and years of colonization, um, you know, there's a, a denial of the blackness that we carry within ourselves and like literally how people see us anywhere outside of the world, outside of Dominican Republic, right? Mm -hmm. um, and yeah, so like my hair would be straightened. Um, I understand that as beauty and um, I'm on the lighter side, I think, uh, than some of my family members. And so that was identified as beauty um, growing up. And then it finally like took me uh, getting away from that, um, those ideals um, to like really embrace the beauty of blackness um, and therefore like be able to identify myself within it. Um, yeah. And that all happened during grad school. Cause I, I grew up, um, we've kind of talked about this also, like I've grew up in Miami, which is like majority Latino mm -hmm. and everybody kind of looked like me, but like also I can sense that I was different, um, but nobody talks about that difference. We just kind of like, like all the same microaggressions that I feel like blackness anywhere receives. Um, still were a part of heavily a part of Miami, but like 
kind of normalized and not talked about and silenced. And therefore a lot of it was, I feel like I internalized as like my own faults, like my own, yeah, like my own, like my own defects. Mm -hmm. And so, but I couldn't, I didn't know because I, yeah, I didn't understand that until um, coming out. Yeah. Those microaggressions, like you don't understand them as racism until until I moved to New York. And then I was like, oh, there's a bunch of different people. And, um, but there's like, in interesting ways and in ways that I, I, I still haven't like really, um, I think examined this, like when you're here, New York is very segregated. I mean, yeah, most places are. Um, and so when you're here, you see like, quote unquote, a melting pot but like when you really examine it then you go to like the upper east side and or even in inwood i mean we were just having this conversation yeah. like even in inwood if you go uphill by um for Tryon, yeah that's where all the white people are and then you come downhill yeah. and it's like all the dominicans all the black people all like there's so many different types of people down here all the latinx people and like um yeah, it's kind of like a metaphor too in this neighborhood. I've talked to my husband about that of they're on the top of the hill looking yeah. down on mm -hmm. the rest of us. Um, and they don't have to come down here. Um, right. Yeah. Yeah, I think that like that area is like more Hudson Heights um, and that is like a lot more segregated than like my building is really, really um, diverse. Um, we have like Asian people, black people, um, Dominican, Mexican, white people. So like my little row is pretty diverse, but yeah, like certain streets are completely segregated out and it's yeah. very obvious. Yeah. Well, and, and like I go up the hill to get groceries sometimes if I like, mm -hmm. if I haven't ordered my produce or whatever um, and like can tell the difference between number one price, duh, but like the quality of produce um, yeah. uphill versus down here, um, which is, I think to me, I'm often like, fuck that. I don't, sorry. I don't mind being segregated. Like actually I'd rather be with my people. Like if they want their own little space with oh, no black people, like, cool. I'd rather be safe with my people and you do your thing. The only thing is like resources, right? So then like, I do have to go up the hill to get quality produce and that's the infrastructure that's like built into making sure that we don't survive. Yeah. So are you close to the food universe that's like there on Nagle? Yeah. Mm -hmm. That's where I used to shop and I actually think the prices were not cheap there. And No, the they're not. It's not good either. Yeah, no, it's not. And that's yeah. a crazy thing too. It's like, we get both things. Like we both get like fucked with prices mm -hmm. and the quality of things. So yeah. like, um, and yet like at least uphill, mm -hmm. the quality, I mean, I, I go to Oz sometimes. Yeah. The product but, is clearly like way, way better. For so sure. like, I'd rather spend my money on things that I know that are you know, are going to last longer and are going to make me feel better. Um, yeah. Then go right here on the corner 
where like I'm spending the same amount of money, but the quality is not as good. Yeah. Uh, it's frustrating. Like I, I, and I do think like that's built into like the infrastructure of, like I said, like to keep us um, from thriving, right? But like little by little, I'm, I, it, you, we're investing more and more in our own communities. I think we have to continue to invest in our own communities and stop thinking about like giving our money to um, white companies <laughs> because they don't give a shit about us. Yeah, I try to go to the farmer's market a lot, which is a little bit closer right. on this side. Yeah. And there's also two small, um, like, local grocery stores that are, like, the size of a kitchen. They're tiny. Yeah. Um, I try to go there, and it is, like, it does make you, like, feel better investing, like, in your own community. Yeah. Um, just kind of, like, spreading that message. But um, I want to go back to what you were talking about growing up and kind of like knowing you were different. Do you think that like the fact that you spoke Spanish gave you um, more of a pass? Absolutely. Yeah, especially in Miami. I mean, yeah, I grew up in like a very Cuban neighborhood and I like, yeah, the way that I felt tied into was definitely through language. Um, and like through culture, right? But like, never once did I see myself on TV. Like, Cristina was a blonde Cuban, you know? Like, um, what the Mercado and like, any novela. Yeah. Very rarely would you see any Black people unless it like, we were talking about this in the play, um, like in the rehearsal process was like, um, Chica da Silva was the first time that I saw a black person on screen mm -hmm. in a novela and I was like the fuck and all of it was like it, I mean Chica da Silva from what I remember I mean and I did watch because I was like oh, she looks like me look at her hair wow but like she was a slave and then most of the time she's being used like sexually um yeah, she's being used sexually like it's yeah her body is always on display and like the white dude is like in love with her but like basically having sex with her without her consent really because she can't consent mm -hmm. um because she's a fucking slave <laughs> or an enslaved person so like um no consent there and so yeah and in that way even that was like a message for me to be like you're an outsider yeah. Um, and, and that was like, I mean, like Mexican novelas were so popular for so long, yeah. right? Like in, in Dominican Republic too. And then eventually it turned into Brazilian. And then you started seeing these sprinkling of kind of a few people, but again, they were enslaved people and being used, um, both like physically and sexually and emotionally. And so, um, so yeah, I guess I never really like probably because out of survival like I didn't really um because I didn't I mean I'm thinking of like friends in childhood they were mostly Cuban and they were mostly white passing and so mm -hmm. out of survival like I just didn't 
understand that. I also like never learned it from my family. Like, mm -hmm. um, but I could definitely feel that I was different here. And then I would go, and then I would go to DR and like feel different there yeah. as well. Yeah. Um, because I was like a gringa to them. Yeah. It's like, how? Yeah. Oh. <laughs> like, yeah, it's so funny. Have yeah. you seen me? Yeah, I feel like, um, I mean, obviously, uh, I'm white, very obviously white with strawberry blonde hair. Um, but I grew up in El Paso, Texas, and it's 85% Mexican, and there's not a lot of variety as far as look. I'd say there's a very traditional, a traditional quote looking Mexicans, um, dark skin and stuff. And then there's uh, people that more look like me. Um, and so we had like no concept of Afro Latina. Like mm. I had no idea until I like moved to New York. And it's not to say that like, I didn't know, like I wasn't like that ignorant to think that like people aren't mixed. Like I actually knew right. at least one person off the top of my head that was black Mexican. Um, but just that too, like everyone was Mexican and everyone kind of looked the same in a way. So there was a lot more like elitism um, there than I would say like racism. It had more to do with um, social standing mm. um, was the issues that were there in El Paso. Um, and yeah, when I moved here, like I have made that mistake multiple times and put my foot in my mouth of just thinking like, you know, someone is Mexican because they speak Spanish mm. um, or look a certain way. So we had no concept mm. that. And my husband as well, he's from Omaha, Nebraska, first generation Mexican. And he moved here in the same thing. Like we would like watch Dominican, Puerto Rican, um, Afro-Latino people on the subway speaking Spanish and like with our mouth open, like it was so really? foreign to us because mm. he also grew up in a neighborhood in Omaha called Little Mexico. So he was also like only around Mexican people. Mm. Um, and so it was just like, so just foreign to us to see that. And I, I think, right, I think the, maybe the last five years is when, Afro-Latino people have even been getting like visibility like in the yeah. media. Um, I, off the top of my head, I couldn't even really like name very many actors like Tessa Thompson, Gina Torres, um, you know, like <laughs> yeah. head, that's like who I got. So yeah, I can see like well, and it's interesting that you didn't mention like Lupita. Yeah. Right. And that we had a whole conversation. I mean, like um, the, the play um, that we've kind of alluded to a couple of times on um, Black Mexican, we, I, the playwright mentioned like the reason why she play, she wrote the play was because oftentimes you don't, we don't talk about Lupita Nyong'o. Like we talk about, yeah. you know, all the other white Mexican, white passing Mexicans or like, especially like, right, in um in novelas, right? Like even then you don't really see, like I've been to Mexico and those people in novelas didn't see a single one. <laughs> like right. I saw- Well, and you like, won't because those are the rich people that aren't like out and about. They're, you know, on their- Right. And shit. <laughs> um, right. 
but I, I, I couldn't, I, it did take me a long time to take, to grasp the concept that the diaspora, the, the, um, that enslavement of black people spread from Africa to not only the Caribbean and the United States, but also Mexico, also um, Central America and into Southern America. So like every part um, of the Americas, quote unquote, um, had enslaved people even into Canada. So like, um, yeah, all this miseducation, like I don't. Yeah, and uh, Lupita is an interesting one to bring up because like she was born in Mexico, but she didn't really grow up there. She grew up um, in Africa and she does speak Spanish because she was like, I guess, sent back by her parents to learn Spanish, mm -hmm. went to school there a little bit. But that's interesting because maybe 10 years ago, maybe less than 10 years ago, I would not have considered her to be Mexican because mm. it's not, um, you know, she's not like by blood Mexican, but, mm. you know, the way um, our understanding of like nationality and ethnicity and all of these things have, has changed a lot. And we kind of talked about it in the, the Black Mexican Q&A a little bit of, you know, blood quantum, which is like, this thing that the United States government used against right. Americans. And they would say, you have to be this much percentage, this tribe to be in the tribe. And they basically forced Native Americans to breed themselves out of their own land so that the government right. would feel it. And so for that reason, I think that now there's a bigger understanding of um, there are different types of identities, right? There's people that identify as being Dominican or Mexican or whatever because of blood. There's people that identify it because they are from there and grew up there, you know, in Brazil. Right. And Argentina. there's all of these blonde people that are actually German, but they're third, fourth, fifth generation Argentine or Brazilian. And then there's people that identify it as it because you know, for whatever reason, they lived some part of their life there, they were born there, they have a love of it or whatever. And I don't, I think, I mean, I personally don't, I don't think anyone that's Latino um, can speak for anyone else and say whether or not someone deserves to um, identify with that without knowing, you know, what their story is. So that's right. just an interesting thing that's, um, progressed over like a half decade right, right 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 it's making me think a lot about the play and like really questioning a lot of things right because um I yeah I'm all down for like identify yourself however you see fit and that's none of my business <laughs> like live right. your life as you but then there's like an accountability to be had for people who do take on yeah, people's identity, and so, so the uh, Rachel Dolezal's the other right. I don't know her name, um, but yeah, that I mean that was a very interesting thing brought up by the play of like you don't question someone's authenticity, but sometimes you have to. Right, there's always like a fine line. I'm as more and more I grow into my adult self. <laughs> um, I feel like, right, there's like always like a fine, fine line and everything. Um, 
I guess I'm not pressed by the Rachel Dole souls of the world, but like take accountability for the damage that you're doing. For sure. Um, it's kind of a weird thing because like yeah. Dole is all, for example, she actually like did some positive things, but she was doing it under, you know, a, a guise of being something that she's not, so. Right, and then also like a great violence to the people who are, and I, I, I'm listening to this podcast um, called um, Anything for Selena. And we were, re we were listening to it um, as research for the play actually. And, um, and there's an episode about big butt politics and how Selena, like, she was so proud of her body, right? Like any human had her own issues with her body, but like really showcased how different um, physically she might look from like, especially at that time from pulp, sorry, this guy is like, he's like, big butts, I wanna talk about that. Um, but yeah, how she came into the scene, quote unquote, in a time where like her body wasn't what you saw all the time, right? Like the the representation of a um uh, an accepted body was not hers, and she showed off her body in rebellion of perhaps um and um and then having Jennifer Lopez come in and play her role, and she also has uh features that at the time weren't acceptable and she showed it off and then you know her butt became such a like thing um and then from that you like see kim kardashian like idolize jennifer lopez and now it's like everybody wants big butts right but it negates then the the plight let's say um, that black women have always had. And the um, all of the hard work that black women have had to do to just exist in those spaces um, with their own bodies. And now we're like idolizing these bodies, but like also negating black women, like black women aren't even allowed to be part of the club, even though they started the club, you know what I mean? Um, so do you think the club that, was underground and um, yeah. <laughs> now it's like above ground and they're not in allowed? Um, do you think in that way, like that Selena or Jennifer Lopez, um, you know, or people like that, where do you view them as like a gateway or do you view them as also like benefiting from a sort mm. of appropriation, even though it's not really appropriation, it's right. like bodies are their bodies look like that and that's how and they I, look. And I think this, I think this is like the, the conversation I feel like we're having more and more in the Latinx community, right? Like mm -hmm. I think it's not necessarily an appropriation, but without giving credit where credit is due for the people who've been standing at the gate knocking to come in mm -hmm. and being negated that space. And then you come in because you have whatever privilege usually lighter skin usually straighter hair usually like you are more palatable um for uh eurocentric 
um, anglicized consumption um, and therefore, okay, you might have a big butt. So we'll, we'll let you in, but everything else like we're okay with because you're more palatable. So like, we'll let you in, but still the black women need to stay away. So like both things are true. They're just, both things are true. I think like, not that they're doing it, not that it's a violence that is being uh, put on on purpose, but ultimately it is a violence um, and there has to be a recognition, uh, a, there has to be uh, a recognition of those women and a, hey, I'm going to pull, you belong here actually first before me. I've made the space um, because they love me, they let me into the table. And also I'm pulling up a chair for you as well because you were already here. Um, and I think that's a step that sometimes out of shame is what I'm understanding. Shame is such a powerful emotion, I feel like. And it really like um, it kind of rules us as humans. Um, mm -hmm. I think like out of shame because we don't want to be seen as like, well, they let me into the club. But like also it was really hard for me to get into the club and like, look at my body, it looks like this. And yeah, I have some privileges, but like, I don't really wanna talk about those things because that's whatever reason I'm ashamed of those things, though I'm using those things to sit at the table. We have to like, stop thinking about that and like really think about the people who are just, and not to put it like in a totem pole, but like, unfortunately, I feel like that's where we are in society, right? Like, I feel like society kind of does that to us we just have to pull the other people up with us period. yeah i do feel like um latinos have a lot of conversations about who has it worse not necessarily racially but like ethnic wise like i know you know some people think like puerto ricans are like at the top because they're American. Um, mm -hmm. And then, you know, it goes down from there. Um, right. And I think that's just an incorrect, like, way of thinking. Like, it's a way to divide people. Mm -hmm. um, I have heard people say that, like, oh, you know, you don't have it as bad, or like, these kind of people don't have it as bad. And it's like, it doesn't matter. It's literally like, it's interesting, because I feel like, it's a tool of the colonizer, right? Like, yeah, of course. by making other, by making otherness, um, that makes you less than me. Um, but at the same time, the colonizer or whiteness literally is like, but you're, but I'm still like, you still are the minority. Like, that's also interesting because then we're, we're all put into this bucket of minorityness, um, mm -hmm. which is less than whiteness um less than the colonizer and mm. then like but the tool that they used for the intermural um battles to continue is to separate us yeah. and that's why the conversation that other night about like um yeah let me just like say quickly like what we've been talking about we Maribel was in this play called Black Mexican and it was really interesting. It was a lot about identity and um, 
misidentification. Uh, there was a character that pulled a Rachel Dolezal, lived as a Cuban woman with an accent and turned out she wasn't Cuban and she actually took her Cuban maid's name as her own. And questioning um, Afro-Latino people on like whether or not they were actually Latino. So just a lot of uh, colorism going on. Um, and there was a talk back after the show and there was quite a few like Latino people that spoke up and just said, you know, how they felt about it. Um, I will say that I think most, if not all of the Latino people that spoke up were white. Yeah. And aside from them, there was some other people that spoke up, mostly older, white. And conversation kind of got off the rails a little bit um, with people saying they loved the play. It was really interesting. It was really clever and, and it was a great play. Um, and no one said they didn't like it, but people kind of took what they could get out of it and morphed it to what fit them. And even the Latino people did. I was actually shocked at one guy who said something progressive and then later basically said, and Maribel brought it up, he kind of said all lives matter in a way. <laughs> um, yeah, it's, it got off the rails and I kind of was watching Maribel's face and <laughs> very uncomfortable. And I was very uncomfortable. My husband was uncomfortable. We kind of were like mouths open watching this unfolds because they did this beautiful play about Latinos and Afro-Latinos and, you know, the spectrum and um, it didn't land. And Maribel was the last to speak and she said, you can go ahead and say what you Oh, said. I don't know if I, I don't know if I remember exactly because I was very, I was lit that night. <laughs> But it was, you know, this is a very specific story and like what you can take away from it, yeah. like we're all the same or whatever is not what it was about. Like you can and take stuff from the play and say like, I kind of relate to that, but it was specifically about black people not being accepted. And and we had a conversation afterwards, um, just like the, the production team after like the audience yeah. members I left the room around. On, I was like, hey, <laughs> off because they clearly want to have a conversation. <laughs> but it was interesting because I do think, like, um, in storytelling in America specifically, um, and again, like the same conversation we were having earlier about like telenovelas. So, like, even in the Latinx community, and I'm sure in other communities the thing that we saw, the representation that we see is whiteness. So it's really hard for white people and white pasting people and white Latinos to like not see themselves in storytelling. This mm -hmm. idea of like everything has to be universal to me is problematic because yes, humans, human stories are gonna, you're gonna, you're gonna draw something out of that and be like, oh, if, if, if you're telling a story about humanness, any human being will go to that story and be like, I've felt that before. Or, ooh, I feel that, I, I fear that same thing. Or I'm heartbroken in this way. Fine. But when we were talking about identity, like this play was, and then the white people in the space and the white passing people in the space drew from that and said, oh, I know, me too, right? And I'm like, yeah. no, 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 no. 
not you too. Yes, I see how this play can be universal in its emotions, in its feelings, not in the identity part. And that it's hard for whiteness not to see themselves in storytelling. Yeah. Because I mean, literally the world was catered. Storytelling was catered and continues to be catered for whiteness. So like a white person cannot not see themselves in a story. And and when and now when and now when we're telling stories where we're excluding whiteness out of the narrative. They are grasping at fucking straws and hating the fact that they can't see themselves in it. And that that's what I think was happening that yeah. night. And so the conversation was literally like, no, we're not saying I just want to I want I wanted to point out that we're not saying the story is about you because it's not like it's not about. Um, I mean, a lot of the conversations and this is like a hard topic and I don't really know, know how to get into it because I don't feel like I'm fully educated in it but like yes the plight of Jewish people feel it in my heart and like but that's not what we were talking about like you know and 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 then we then it becomes like a pressure lip oppression olympics and that's not what we were talking about we were talking about something very specific um something that I cannot remove because I wear it on my skin and I walk outside and people judge me on it, good, bad, sexualized or not sexualized. Um, so different, just different, yeah. just different. Um, and that's all I was saying it was like, it's it, great. And I'm so glad that you can re um, relate, but not understand. Is relate, but not understand, yeah. The lack of understanding that the story was not for them. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, I feel like I struggle with that as well. Like, I'll admit, not that I identify as being a Black person in any way, but I do identify as someone who is kind of excluded from the community because of how I look, how I talk. Um, mm -hmm. I think, you know, if we're talking about colorism, there's a spectrum. And if you're on the ends, which is super white or Black, you're excluded and a certain way and so in that way I did identify with the show and like I identify with with your you know face or your look not matching your um mm. identity you know mm -hmm. so in that way like I identified with it but obviously you're right it wasn't a story for me to um like take for myself um so yeah, I, I mean, it's a weird thing because I do, you know, since we're like on this topic of like colorism and stuff as well, like I see the struggle that Afro-Latinos have with, and I know you spoke about this in the talk back as well as like Dominican people, there's like a big problem with um, accepting black people. Um, and I see the struggle of like, you're always going to look black like you're always going to present as being black but you kind of have to claim your your um ethnicity because no one's going to claim it for you you know like no mm -hmm. one's going to look at you and think no one's going to look at me and think oh you're mexican so i have to claim it for myself i have to say it and i feel like that's the struggle i mean you can speak to it um i you know from my outside view that's kind of like how I see it as like you are clearly black, but you're not clearly 
Dominican or Puerto Rican or, mm. you know? It's, but it's also interesting because then I go to certain spaces and people are like, well, you're clearly Dominican and you're not, yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm not black American. So like in certain spaces, right. I'm less black culturally. I mean, if, right. especially if we're talking about America, um, and then, and then I go to other spaces and I'm not Dominican or Puerto Rican enough. Um, I'm not American enough. So like really, I ultimately, I think I live my life as like, I am who I am. <laughs> like I am, I'm just, I'm a weirdo who likes doing theater and yeah, bisexual and like all these different identities, quote unquote, but like they just make uh, me and I just try to find those people who are willing to see me as just as just me and me on top because you said something about like struggling with my blackness or maybe I'm misinterpreting that but like also the joy of being black like I love being black and and learning that has been like a big journey for me and like I don't want to be anything else I remember growing up and like looking at dolls and being like why can't I have that skin and like looking at um my my father has green eyes and my sister has green my sister from my dad's side has green eyes and and his son had blue eyes and like thinking like man I want to have those I want to have eyes so that it makes me like more special and more but really what I wanted at that time was to be more accepted and yeah. like fuck that like I, actually I have really beautiful eyes and I have big beautiful hair and I have big thighs and I have a big butt and my tummy is how it is and like learning how to love myself because it is like has been my journey and I'm continuing to do it and I'm really being intentional about it because I was told my ancestors were told my grandmother and all the people before her were told that they were unacceptable and fuck that because they were beautiful. And so it, it, I am intentionally making it my purpose to like love myself as naturally as possible, um, as fully as possible. And like, I have this conversation with my mom. I mean, I remember a, a few years ago I went home and my mom doesn't understand how the, in the TV film industry actually works. Um, as nobody does, unless you're in yeah, it. <laughs> yeah, like nobody understands it unless you're in it. And so like, yeah, you don't see me on TV all the time, but I'm working fucking hard. And like, yeah, I'm, I'm auditioning as much as I can. You work a lot. You work a lot. Like, But she doesn't see like, that. Like she, she can't see that because it's usually like not, you know, cable TV, TV for everybody. TV, that was very, that was very Spanish. <laughs> that was very like, ah, uh, uh, first language of me. Um, very TV. Uh, laugh out loud. Um, yeah. Uh, so so we're in the car, and she's like, you know, Maribel, if you if you would straighten your hair now again, you would have so many more jobs. Your hair is so beautiful when it's straight. But mira ese pajón. Nobody's gonna wanna. I just have to say. Maribel is a really beautiful woman. Like you are beautiful. Oh, like, you are. And I remember like 
when we were doing Caesar together, we were in a play together a while back. Um, and I saw your headshot and I was like, holy moly, like beautiful headshots, like beautiful woman. She like, you have beautiful, curly, poofy, beautiful hair. Like, yeah, I love my hair. <laughs> yeah. But it, it took, it, I mean, it's, it's taken a long time to understand that. And then like knowing that I really have to battle my mom and like, um, and feeling kind of sad yeah for a while back just feeling really yeah Yeah. like it's it's sad to think of like a whole country of people hate themselves yeah love themselves like really love themselves in their culture and like we're talking about like the loudness of it I love that shit I go I go to DR and I'm like this is home like yeah. Well, every all the fucking songs from everywhere mashing into one in outside in, in the street, El Barrio, like sounding very Dominican, like the influences. If you like sit down and you like listen to the music, the influences are African. Like that's where it comes from. Like our our religion is all masked. Catholicism was used to mask a lot of like the Yoruba spirituality and so like it's all there hidden quietly under the ground like just bubbling to erupt that's what it feels like and then all it takes is for us as a as a community of people to be like oh yeah I love myself and it's fucked up like how we got here this is the thing I'm battling right like it's fucked up how we got here is I was raped and sat and and ravaged and like used as a commodity um but it's still there we still survived you know like yeah and I was that's what I was meaning earlier not like that you personally are struggling but like the Dominican Republic and like you know living in Inwood see this topic come up a lot of like you know seen on Facebook on Twitter whatever people saying like and was racist, um, all these things. And it's the Dominicans that they're talking about, the Dominicans against black people. Um, And that came up in the play as well of like saying, are Haitians like not Latino? Like they're on the same island. Or Belizeans or. All of these people that are like, okay, well you're excluded because of the color of your skin because someone else told us that. Right. And because they weren't as colonized, <laughs> like that's crazy. <laughs> like right. because they actually like figured out how to kick some ass. Um, and like you know, along with that, it's like also we talked about language earlier and how like knowing Spanish helped you, but right. you know, like speaking French or English or Spanish, they're all colonizer languages. Right. So to say which one is better. Like, right. They're right. all they, they are, were all taught and you know languages were cleansed out of the people. So none of them are right. <laughs> you know. I mean, period. Like yeah, we're all fucked. <laughs> I feel like that along with like just being in the US where it's like, you know, English is this even though it's not the official language just um is 
it creates like a bigger divide of saying like, oh, well, you don't know Spanish or, you know, this, mm -hmm. that. Yeah. You can't be, you, you can't be in our club. You can't be Latino, you know? Right. That kind of thing. It's like, it's just all of these are tools of like colonization and they're yeah. tools of the white man, like they are. Um, so it's just interesting how it like, it permeates through the skin color, through the language, through, you know, everything else. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Layers of it. Yeah. Yeah. It makes me so sad. I like, I, I oftentimes have to like, it's funny. I go home and I have my hair down and I like try to introduce some thoughts to my mother and then realize like, I can't also can't like, I, I can't judge her for the fact that like, literally this is how she, it was burrowed into her brain. Well, yeah. That, and things that people do to, to like survive, to be honest. Exactly. Like, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, my parents, one thing that really pisses me off and I used to get it a lot when I was younger was like, why don't you speak Spanish? I'm not fluent in Spanish. And, um, why didn't your parents teach you? People would say shame on them. Mm. It's like, no, like not shame on them. Like my parents raised two pretty good kids. We got scholarships to go to school. We were, you know, good people and all of these things. And it's like my dad's family, he's first generation Mexican. Um, they were very American. They were very proud to be American. And although like Spanish was his first language. English is his dominant language. And that's what they did to survive. They mm -hmm. spoke English and they were encouraged to speak English. And they, you know, in some ways it did help them. Like my dad went to college and became a businessman, you know? Um, and to me, it's like, why is there a judgment on something someone did just to survive like what like what do you mean shame on them like it's just such a yeah, weird yeah exactly yeah and that's like something that comes from like within the community and then outside of the community there's lots of other things but yeah like no that that's so interesting because I I, I have I mean I couldn't survive in my household if I didn't speak Spanish right. because my mother just doesn't speak English but like this is a very interesting topic um particular thing to deal with if you were raised I mean I I'm sure that my kids will have some type of like I of hope that I can teach them mine will but as well because my husband speaks Spanish and that's a good thing to bring up no one in my family did not know English the mm. only that didn't know English was my grandmother and she died when I was two years old so after she died everyone spoke English and so that's what it was English was the dominant language because that's what everyone spoke. Yeah. So I, the things yeah, that we do to survive. To, yeah. If I had to speak Spanish, if I lived in a place where I couldn't um, or I couldn't talk to my parents, then yeah, I, I would have learned it. Yeah. But like, I didn't. And because yeah. my parents didn't speak it in the household, they actually would have had to teach us other than like my husband where his parents like didn't, they speak English now, but you know, they didn't really speak English back then. So they didn't really teach him in a way. He just grew up in it. And then he right. learned English in school, you know? Right. So it's different, you know, growing up in it. Like you said, you, yeah. have, you have to speak Spanish and teaching it or learning it. Like 
you know, also it's, it's a chore. It's a chore if you actually like, have to teach it. And both of my parents worked. It was like, you know, what, what do they want to do when they come home? Like teach this, you know, I don't know. It's, it's a very weird. Well, yeah. 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 No, I mean like, and, and yes, yes. Just thinking about like a simulation quote unquote yeah. as a survival tactic, like literally that's all there was to it, like to survive in this country, the people assimilated and um, yeah. And I often think of like, the the things that I'm trying to break through to like um to not only free myself but like free liberate um ancestors before me um mm -hmm. and I'm sure and I'm sure that task will continue on to like my children and their children and their children if that's what happens but um yeah, sometimes I do want to be like, mom, like you, if you, if, if the one thing in life you can take away is like to love yourself, you have to accept your blackness and you have to accept that like potentially, I mean, there is a side of my family. I don't think it's very complicated, but I don't think actually my mom, um, though I was really excited about this, but um, it seems like my understanding of my family background right now is that um, my grandmother had children with a descendant of a uh, Haitian revolutionary slash president. Okay. Um, and they do not claim that at all. And I, when I found that out, I was like, holy shit. Like I was so excited because the Boyer is like, Boyer is a, he's like the president that like basically fucking the Haitian revolution blah like fucking king right and so I was so excited and then realized that my mom might not my mom might be another father which you know gotcha. which you know is a lot <laughs> trauma to a lot of trauma that my mother cannot um so like yeah as I want to gift her the ability to love herself more. I want to gift, honestly, I want to gift all, I want to gift Dominican Republic the ability to love themselves more by like really just sitting down and and the truth, like the thing is that that's the truth. We're like taught, history is interesting because history like teaches you. This is something that we talked about in the play. Was it this play? I can't remember. No, it might be another play. Um, that I just worked on, but we were talking about history and like who gets to tell those stories, right? Oftentimes it's the conqueror. Oftentimes that means the colonizer. Oftentimes that means um, the oppressor. And so, um, yeah, how like we can go back and like dig more of the truth so that we get to learn more of who we are and you don't lose anything. This is the conversation that we were having of like, uh, at, at the talkback that I think I was like getting at and I'm still kind of um, formulating is they kept wanting to like get rid of, uh, they, I mean like the um, white participants, white passing participants um, were really trying to get rid of this notion of difference. Yes, that was so odd. You were just saying we're all the same. It's not though, because if you if you if you sit with yourself and think back and go, 
when I was a child, what was the thing that was taught to me the most? And it's this thing that they're just, they're perpetrating more is that we have to get rid of our differences and think about our similarities. Hey, like think about colorblind, like conversation. And now that shit, like, colorblind. I remember, I mean, I remember sitting with myself, like sitting and watching TV and getting that message drilled into my brain as a kid. So like, obviously here we are years later, still talking about the same shit, but like, no, that's not the point. The point is that there is so much, there's so many different things that we can be and why not embrace the differences? That doesn't mean that it makes you a worse or better person. Okay. It just means that you're different. Yeah, totally. Yeah. And I, it's a hard thing to battle with because I, I do think that like there's a part of humanness. This is like kind of going... Uh, aside, but like, there's a part of humanness that really struggles with wanting to be better than other people, mm-hmm. right? This is capitalism. This is, um, uh, uh, this is oppression. This is all the things, right? Like this is patriarchy. Like um, there's a part of humanness that like really just wants to be better than that guy. And if I could just be better than that guy, that proves my self-worth. Mm-hmm. Um, and so they are different and their difference is threatening to me. But if we, I feel like we're coming or I'm hoping, I guess, that we as humans are getting rid, evolving because mm-hmm. we don't need to fight in that way anymore. I feel like as humans, we're evolving in so many different ways. We have so many different resources now than when we were Neanderthals and like fucking in caves and, um, then I have to be stronger than you in order to survive, right? But like now we don't even need that anymore. Now yeah. we can all survive with the resources that we have because we have the technology to fucking create something where everybody can be equitable, um, mm-hmm. but we still carry this mentality of I need to be better of. And therefore anybody's difference becomes a threat to me because then I don't understand the difference. And that means that they might be better than me in whatever different way. And so- yeah, I think we just need to like keep evolving and like be better humans <laughs> because we have the resources. <laughs>